Games rated E to M. Welcome to Nintendo Power Podcast. This episode, we cover the cool Nintendo Switch games coming this fall and check in on the Panda Cup Super Smash Brothers circuit. My name is Chris. In this episode, I'm joined by Anthony and Michael from the social media team at Nintendo of America. Hi, guys. Hey. How's it going? Great. Thanks for coming on the show. And I want to say that later in the show, I'm also going to be joined by Dr. Alan Bonet from Panda Global and Bill Trennan from Nintendo Treehouse uh, to get an update on the Panda Cup tournament circuit, which features Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and Super Smash Brothers Melee. So you want to be sure to stick around for that. Or if you want, you can just use the timestamps in the description to jump ahead and, and check that out now. Uh, but to kick things off, um, we're going to talk about some of the exciting Nintendo Switch games coming our way soon. Um, now, there's obviously a lot of big games coming to Nintendo Switch next year, like Fire Emblem Engage, Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, but before that, we have a lot of cool games coming this fall to talk about, uh, which is what we'll be focusing on today with our fall game guide. So, are you guys ready to get started? Yes, sir. I am ready. Awesome. All right. So, um, like I said, there's many, many games coming this fall uh, that we could have included in our discussion today, but since we only have so much time, we're going to narrow our list down to just 10 of the games that we think are some of the most exciting. I'm going to run through them in the order they're scheduled to release, and we're going to start with Shovel Knight Dig from Yacht Club Games and Nitrome, uh, which just launched on September 23rd. Actually, we're recording this a few days earlier, and so I haven't had a chance to play it yet, and I'm a huge Shovel Knight fan. Um, Michael, what do you think about this game? Are you looking forward to it as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the sprite work on Shovel Knight is just so lovable always, and it's cool to see because they've done the, they did that card game previously, right? I was that the Treasure Trove one. Yeah, that was. They put so much content. They had so much DLC for the for the Treasure Trove. Yeah, uh, and this one's a, more of like kind of an action puzzle kind of game. If I'm reading it right, from what I was looking at, it it, it is. You know, I'm curious to try it more myself. They did have a, a straight up kind of puzzle game that came out um, themed around Shovel Knight. This one is more action, but you are kind of digging down into the earth this time. So you're kind of moving down constantly instead of scrolling from left to right. Um, and the way that they work it, from what I understand, is that they've kind of pre-built certain like chunks of levels, but then those chunks kind of get stitched together into kind of uh, randomly generated levels. So no two playthroughs are kind of exactly the same. Gotcha. So it's going to be an interesting interesting mix. Um, Anthony, are you a, a Shovel Knight fan? You know, I've, I've played a little. Um, can't say I'm super familiar with some of the more recent content, but this seems fun. And I actually um, I, I, I had a chance to check out the trailer on YouTube, and um, it has a really fun and, and pretty funny trailer. So, um, yeah, you know, games have so much personality, and, um, you know, I know I, have, I just said I haven't played um, a ton recently, but uh, I'm actually definitely going to probably gonna check this one out. Yeah, like you said, it's it's um, the games are always kind of funny and fun and just have a really cool kind of tone to them. There's a, a bit of a new presentation in this game. Um, it's now more of 16-bit graphics, kind of an enhanced Super NES yeah. look compared to the NES look that the original Shovel Knight game had. You got a new main villain with Drill Knight and plenty of other new enemies. Um, so it seems like there's lots of cool new stuff to look forward to. And like I said, um, just scrolling downward this time is going to be so different. And I'm curious to see what that adds to more of the traditional kind of Shovel Knight you know, action where you're jumping on people with your shovel and things like that. So yeah, it's almost like a Shovel Knight universe is like its own little kingdom now, the Shovel Knight kingdom, right? With all the different kind of titles you have uh, with Shovel Knight in them. I know. And it's, you know, I've been so happy to see Shovel Knight kind of, uh, 
get such a big fan base to the point where you know he appeared you know in uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate as mm -hmm. an assist trophy. So. Um, you know, he really is kind of a, a great, I think, success story for indie game development. And um, I probably own, like, every version of that game yeah. that's come out. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've I, talked uh, about it a lot. <laughs> I know. Yeah, people on this show know that I've, I've spoken about this series an awful lot. So I absolutely can't wait for this one. And then next, on September 27th, we have Tunic from Finji. And, uh, Anthony, this is something I think you're familiar with from other platforms, right? Yep. Yeah, this is uh, a great game, um, so I'm really excited to, to play it on Nintendo Switch. Um, it has a really interesting sort of, uh, I guess you'd call it a mechanic or, or way that the game kind of flows, but essentially as you're going through the game, you're collecting information about how to play the game through these uh, instruction manual pages. Um, and certain areas, certain things you can't do or, or certain areas you can't go into until you find those pages. So it's kind of like you're discovering the instruction manual throughout the game. Um, it's a really interesting way of kind of like progressing through. There's even like a language that you like, you know, you start to, that's basically the gist of it. You learn this language through the, the manual pages. So cool, super interesting, um, you know, sort of flow in the game and something I haven't really seen before. But yeah, I'm super excited to play this. It looks super cute too. Like just the kind of, it's got like that top-down kind of effect. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Almost like yep. a little toy box, kind of like Legend of Zelda feel. Yeah, definitely. If you're a fan of that style of game, Legend of Zelda games, this is right up your alley. When I was looking at the trailer for it, and I haven't got a chance to play it myself yet, but it really did give me those vibes of like a classic Legend of Zelda adventure, like uh, you know the Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past on Super NES. You know where it's kind of a top-down view. It's a little bit more of a of an angled isometric view in Tunic. But, I mean, he, the fox that you control literally has a green tunic on, so <laughs> the inspiration familiar. seems pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I love that idea of kind of collecting and assembling a retro-style kind of game manual um, to get maps, tips, and some special techniques and some secrets and things like that. That's such a cool idea. So it sounds like something that um, a lot of longtime Nintendo fans, you know, if you like The Legend of Zelda, maybe this is a game definitely worth looking into. All right, next up on October 13th, we have Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Expansion Pass DLC Volume 2. Um, I haven't quite beaten Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> 3 yet, but that's not for lack of trying. I've put dozens and dozens of hours into it, and I'm really enjoying it. But I'm already looking forward to this second wave of DLC. Um, Anthony, yeah. have you? Uh, is this a game you've gotten a chance to spend much time with? Yeah, so I spent some time with the game for sure. I think... I think it was maybe my la the last episode of the podcast that I was talking on. We were talking about Xenoblade Chronicles 2. This was before Xenoblade Chron Chronicles 3 was released. And I think we were talking about just like, you know, trying to make trying to get through the game before we got to uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And so now I'm on 3. And um, yeah, there was the first wave of, of DLC, which was uh, launched back in back in July. And that had some uh, items and accessories and things like that you could use in the game. So definitely a solid boost but uh this new wave is going to have um a challenge battle mode and uh there's a, a new hero character there um and uh so new character outfits etc so lots of good stuff in here um so i'm definitely gonna gonna get back in there i mean as i'm still trying to complete <laughs> the base game itself but it doesn't hurt to have more to do yeah i feel like xenoblade chronicles games generally are like these delicious feasts and i'm already on my seventh like course <laughs> and they keep putting more food on the table right so you know i know i'm going to get to it at some point but it, it takes a little while michael how about you is this something you've had time to, to really get into the base game are you looking forward to the dlc i mean yeah i'm interested in it. it's like the new characters like is it eno is that it 
I think. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, I saw some of the trailer for it. I haven't sunk my teeth in quite yet, but uh, I, you know, I kind of have to build myself up to get ready for another big JRPG. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. excited to see it. I mean, yeah. it definitely, this game will hit you in the feels a couple times. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's kind of unexpected and, is, and it's still a lot of solid action. So uh, definitely, yeah, I'd say keep keep plugging away at the, the main game, but uh, this is going to add some content there that you can do at the same time, so it's cool. Yeah, and I'm already really looking forward to that new hero because that's some something I really enjoy about uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 in general is those stories that they build around the hero characters that you meet, and I always feel like it's its own kind of quest, you know, getting to know the character, yep. in a lot of cases kind of getting the character on your side, and uh, so it, it feels to me like there's going to be some pretty cool content there to get into. And then uh, next up on October 20th, we have Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope from Ubisoft. Um, Anthony, I think you played the first game, right? Yeah, I played the first game. Um, and this game is just, it has so much personality. The music, just the way the colors pop in the game, the way the, 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 the maps and just the stages pop in the game. Um, and it's, it's kind of a nice spin on just sort of like, you know, what you're used to with characters like Mario and Luigi and, you know, and everyone else. So... Um, yeah, I'm excited for this. I mean, it looks like, you know, they've just really built upon the first game and added some pretty crazy scenes and <laughs> moments. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not exactly sure what to expect. I know there's still, you know, more to come before the game comes out, but, um, yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it really is a cool mix between, I mean, because of this partnership between Nintendo and Ubisoft, you get something that, you know, the Mario, Luigi, all those classic characters feel very much like you expect them to. But, um, you know, that Rabbids element, that kind of um, that kind of perspective from a different developer in a way also kind of gives it this kind of fresh new angle. Um, and uh, you can kind of see that in the graphics. I mean, they definitely look like they belong next to other Mario games, but there's this extra kind of pastel-y feel to them. And the worlds that you go to have this different kind of feel. And uh, I just, based on the trailers, I think this, this game looks like it might be one of the, the most, um, you know, visually um, impressive games on the platform. Um, so, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to those, experiencing those worlds as I play through the game. Michael, what about you? Are you looking forward to this one? Yeah, no, definitely. As somebody who gets pretty frustrated with, like, XCOM, like, when you're, you know, your players have permadeath, like, this is a much, yeah. like, lower blood pressure option that's uh, <laughs> still really tactical and fun, but something I can probably stick with for sure. Yeah, and that's a good point, you know, for people who maybe aren't familiar with the series or didn't get to play the first game, Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. I mean, this is a turn-based strategy adventure game. So you've got, you know, you're, you're solving puzzles, you're, you're doing these turn-based battles, you're finding collectibles, and also a big part of the appeal is just this very funny element, funny characters, funny story. Um, you know, you've got not only characters like Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach, Bowser, but then you've got these rabid versions, so Rabid Peach, Rabid Luigi, and this time Rabid Rosalina, um, that really add a lot of humor. And uh, it really worked for me in the first game. Uh, and uh, so I'm really looking forward to exploring all these new planets, uncovering secrets, and completing all these quests. And, um, you know, just kind of mastering all the new elements of battle, which was just so fun in the first game. Moving on to October 28th, a little-known game you might have heard of uh, <laughs> called Bayonetta 3, coming from Nintendo. Um, Michael, what do you think about this one? Very excited for this one. I mean... Bayonetta 1, 2, so good, and Platinum overall. I mean, it's hard not to like most of what they do. Um, this one, though, I mean, I think we all know the most important part is Bayonetta has a new haircut. So. <laughs> She's got to have a new haircut, new game, new haircut. <laughs> That's all you need. Uh, but, yeah, no, this one is definitely, I think, you know, going to be the biggest one yet just in terms of this super crazy world where it's like demons versus angels and she's this like umbran witch in between the two of them and 
the storytelling is just so over the top with it. And there's like, you know, time travel stuff and there's dimensions and all kinds of things going on. But on top of all that, I mean, there's just the gameplay too. The action gameplay in this is just so good. If you like, you know, Devil May Cry or any of those kind of action games like this, is super combo heavy kind of action beat em up stuff. It's tough to be a bayonet. It does it so right. Yeah, I never get tired of uh, anytime you go into witch times, you can just slow down the action and kind mm -hmm. of uh, have that cool effect. And um, yeah, this is basically over the top the game, right? Like everything yep. about it yeah, is just dialed up to 15. Makes, great. makes most anime look like pretty generic and boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got time travel, different dimension, <laughs> the, yep. whole, the whole night. Yeah, I think a lot of people, even people who maybe didn't play the first uh, two Bayonetta games, know the character now from the Super Smash Bros. series. And, you know, pretty much anything you need to know about Bayonetta kind of comes through in uh, her interpretation of that game, her, her kind of style, her, her just the coolness of her moves. Um, and this is going to be great. I, I'm especially looking forward to, you know, now you can summon these massive demons, right, and use their, their and control them to basically have these giant, like, kaiju-style battles which yeah, looks really definitely. cool. <laughs> They've touched on that yeah. a little bit before on some of the previous ones, but it's kind of cool seeing that as like its own mechanic. Yeah, for sure. All right, Anthony, uh, in October, I don't have a set date for this yet, but in that month, we're going to get Overwatch 2 from Blizzard Entertainment. And I understand you've spent quite a bit of time playing the, the first Overwatch. Yeah. Yeah, the first Overwatch was a, a, a go-to for my friends, and, and my friends and I are just sort of like on a you know regular, regular game night. And... Um, the game, the characters in the game just have so much personality. Um, Blizzard just does a great job sort of building, you know, the story behind all the characters and their personalities, and you kind of really get invested in them through all that, all that content. And so, um, yeah, I had a ton of fun, um, and I'm really excited for Overwatch 2. And um, I know there's, you know, new heroes, of course, um, you know, some new things in there, um, new modes, stuff like that. And, yeah, just so excited to see, you know, what's going what's gonna to be different about the game. Um, and, you know, what's similar and just sort of kind of restarting that gameplay with my friends again. Um, I think we're definitely in need of a game like this. So, yeah, I'm super excited. Michael, is this a series that you spend a lot of time with? Yeah, I definitely spent several hundred hours on Overwatch 1 for <laughs> wow. sure. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I think my most exciting part about this is that since, you know, we have this new version of the game, this new game coming out, there's going to be that influx of new players, which means I'll be good for a very brief window right, <laughs> right after the game comes right. out before people get good as well. So, I yeah, can, yeah, I can feel like a hero for like a week or two. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'll be starting from right from scratch. But the thing about this kind of game, you know, I'm not a big like when it comes to like first person shooter type games. I'm not a big online competitive player. Um, but this kind of game really appeals to me because I love those hero characters that kind of not cartoony, but a, a more lighthearted kind of, even though I guess some of the characters can be pretty dark, but uh, just a very kind of like cool superhero-y kind of feel that really appeals to me a lot more than like maybe, you know, some of the darker kind of more hardcore elements of other similar type games. So, you know, as they introduce new seasons and, you know, with new heroes, maps, modes, and, and, and all that kind of cool stuff, I may have to just dive into this, and uh, hopefully, I'm get, I get paired against people who are also, also aren't very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, no, maybe we can maybe we can jump in there together. I mean, the great thing is, like you know, obviously there's uh, there are very skilled players who can you know do some damage by themselves, but it's such a team oriented game that yeah. if you have like really good communication with your team, you can you can win a lot of games. You know, just mm -hmm. based off of that. So um, that's what I personally love about this game. Awesome. All right. Well, I can't wait to check it out. And then uh, next up on November 4th, we have It Takes Two from Electronic Arts. And 
This is a game that I've wanted to try for a long time and just haven't got around to it. So I'm excited to get to play it on Nintendo Switch. But I remember this game won Game of the Year at the Game Awards last year, and it's even being yeah. turned into a movie now. So Oh, wow, I didn't hear that. Yeah, so um, it's definitely a good time to check it out. Michael, I think you've played this before, right? Yeah, I actually played this uh, with my wife. It's uh, awesome. It's really, really like just a great co-op experience. I mean, it's kind of a mandatory co-op experience, but <laughs> the couch co-op, it's really good. I mean, it's really funny. It has a great sense of humor. If you played A Way Out, which I think was this uh, studio's previous game, which was another kind of co-op game, that one was, you know, a little bit more gritty, I think. This one's a bit more lighthearted. It's kind of this fantasy land, but it's also kind of about this couple that's going through, like, the early steps of a divorce kind of thing, and it's about them kind of, like, rekindling their relationship together because they get turned into tiny dolls, and as these tiny dolls, you kind of have to run through all these levels that just have really creative stuff that's super tailored to like two people playing at once. So the whole game is basically designed around co-op. It's not like a lot of games you play where it's a single player game or a multiplayer game with co-op added. This is like a game that's designed from like step one as a co-op experience. So there's just lots of little things where it's like you need to work together to get things done and it's very rewarding. It's kind of like a portal experience in that way. But yeah, awesome game. And isn't each level kind of like a whole different type of gameplay? Yeah, yeah. So the way it kind of works is at each level, um, each one of the couple, the man and the woman, they kind of get a different mechanic and you have to use the mechanics together. So like one will have like a bow and arrow and the other person will have like a sword. Mm -hmm. And that, that's not 100% accurate. Those are in there. I don't know if it's the same level. <laughs> but um, yeah, basically it's just sort of a way to kind of make every level feel like a new thing where you have to relearn this mechanic with the person you're playing with. And, you know, it has that relationship theme in it, so it works really well for that kind of thing. But you can just play it with a friend, too. You don't have to play with a significant other. <laughs> awesome. Anthony, is this something you've been meaning to play or maybe try it on another platform? It's Yeah, it's been on my list, and I, I know it's been on other platforms. Um, so really great that it's, it's coming to Nintendo Switch. Um, but, yeah, you know, I really kind of just love, like, just the the resurgence of this like purely co-op experience um you know a lot of times you get questions of like or people are always looking for like what's a really good co-op game and you know there's not a ton of games that are just purely co-op based and you can kind of run through a story and um yeah like uh like we were saying like the previous game from the studio i did play that one and um i think it's kind of cool that like it's the same co-op idea just in a totally kind of different unique formula so uh, yeah, th this is going to be, you know, a great opportuni opportunity for me to play it. I think it's super cool, too, that it comes with the Friends Pass, which allows one person to buy the game, and then you can play it with somebody else on your Switch as well, since you kind of need two copies of the game to play it. But, yeah, super, super fun. Highly recommend. <laughs> That's cool. It kind of reminds me, just from hearing about it and seeing the trailer, uh, kind of reminds me of, like, a, something like The Legend of Zelda, you know, um, Four Swords Adventures, I think mm -hmm. it was called. Yeah, yeah. You know, where it really was you know, the, the puzzles and the action is really built around having um, that co-op gameplay there. So that's that should be really cool. All right, next up on November 8th, we have Sonic Frontiers from Sega. And uh, obviously this is a game that um, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about for a while now. A lot of people are excited. You know, you've got open zone platforming for the first time in the Sonic game where you're pretty much running around these five huge locations called Star, uh, Starfall Islands, I think. You know, forest, waterfalls, deserts, just blasting through with Sonic at Sonic speed, uh, you know, completing puzzles, doing all these kind of action challenges and fighting bosses from what I can tell. So um, I'm super excited to check it out, you know, especially because some of the games where we've seen some of our classic video game characters, you know, go into that open world 3D space for the first time have ended up being some of my favorite games of all time. And I'm really hoping that, that, uh, that Sonic works out the same way. Um, Anthony, is this something that uh, you've been kind of tracking? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, honestly, just me being a uh, a '90s kid, um, you know, Sonic has always had a special, you know, place in my heart. I've always really enjoyed all the Sonic games, um, and this is such a new like uh, area for for this game that I'm just excited to see what comes out of it. I mean, I know um, we don't know everything, but um, from what we've seen, it looks just so much uh, different from <laughs> from what we know about Sonic mm. games. So. Um, yeah, I, it's a lot of curiosity for me, a lot of intrigue, I, um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited for it from what I've seen. Yeah, Michael, you too? Yeah, I mean, I'm curious about it. I mean, the look of it is definitely unique, and some, I mean, some of the retro stuff in there was definitely like 90s, yeah, you know, retro. Um, but I'm definitely more of a more of a Mario guy, I hate to say it, but uh, <laughs> still I might mean, check this one out. Though. It is it is kind of cool when you think, like, I think of games that have kind of made a similar I guess you could say a transition to this style of game. And it's like you're used to certain moves and like dodges and things like that from Sonic. And when you kind of put it in a different environment, it almost it's not, it doesn't feel like totally like a different game. But in a sense, it kind of does. Right. It's just like a, a, ref, a refresh. So um, not to say that this game is a refresh of Sonic, but it's just sort of like that new style can really change your perspective on some of the things you're used to doing with Sonic. And looks like I've seen a little bit of that in some of the footage that's been out so far. So. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, on the one hand, you see Sonic kind of running around doing very Sonic-type things, but then you've got, like, a new battle system, and you've got skill tree upgrades, and, you know, you're dodging and parrying and countering and doing combos and and things like that. So, um, you know, it really does feel like a a mix of a lot of things that I really like, um, from Sonic to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I'm even thinking of, like, you know... um, some of Mario's biggest uh, kind of open world or open world type, you know, 3D games like Super Mario Odyssey and things like that. So I can't, um, I can't wait to see, you know, how this one turns out. All right, moving on to November 18th, a couple of big games here, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet from Nintendo. Uh, Anthony, I know you're a big Pokemon fan. Uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to these games. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to these games. Um, set in the Paldea region, so it's, um, you know, definitely every game, right, in, in the Pokemon video game series is kind of like a, a new focus in terms of, like, the environment and how things look. And yeah, that's of, part of what people love, right, is, like, yeah, you, exactly. discovering the new Pokemon, learning the new region. This one in particular, this region, the Paldea region, looks a little, a little bit more vibrant than something we're used to. It's got, you know, it, I mean, obviously it looks like the biggest and most expansive, uh, you know, Pokemon region we've seen uh, so far. So definitely excited to just kind of explore, just, you know, walk around, just hear stuff and see stuff. Um, but even more importantly, and this, you know, there's maybe a little bit of judgment involved in this, but it's who you're going to choose for your first uh, Pokemon partner. Always the big question. Yes. So between Sprigatito, Fuecoco, and Quaxley, your three choices. Personally, I'm going to go Quaxley. Um, and, you know, I've caught some caught some fire for that, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I know people have their favorites. But, yeah, uh, super excited for this game, and there's multiplayer in the game. So, um, you know, for the first time, you'll be able to – play in some new ways with your friends. Um, so, yeah, lots of new stuff, but yet still a lot of the same, a lot of the stuff we love about Pokemon and that we're used to. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like a great formula to me, so I'm excited for it. Yeah, and it sounds like there's going to be a little bit more, I don't know if there's more freedom than normal, but, it, you know, the idea that there's no set path through the adventure and, you know, you've, in one story you can challenge Pokemon gyms, you know, kind of in any order and, and go for the champion rank, or you can explore the open world kind of at your own pace, um, 
you know, so it seems like there's a little bit less of a, of a rigid structure this time around. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So that's true. You can kind of, you kind of have like freedom to you know take your journey however you want. Like because like you're kind of alluding to normal your typical uh, Pokemon adventure. You're kind of going you know from everybody goes starts at the same gym and progresses along that line. And so now yeah you can you can choose your own path in a sense. So um, it's going to be pretty interesting to see like how people sort of. Uh, attack that you know how people you know do things differently and how you how that plays out with your first partner pokemon and there's a lot to consider but yeah that's a that's a really um really fun new feature i'm looking forward to yeah and i think there's like a new even a school you can attend right where people go to yeah kind of hone their skills and uh and practice pokemon battles and depending on the version of the game you might get your own school uniform and all that sounds really cool yeah, definitely uh, determines um, a lot of the more visual elements and story elements of the game. So, um, from what we from what we've seen so far, so yeah, sounds like the Paldia High School Quaxleys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Michael, do you have your first partner Pokemon picked out yet? I mean, it's got to be Quaxley. I hate to like you know jump on the bandwagon here. <laughs> I mean, look at that, that that tough. You know, he's got the, like the the JoJo's hair. Like, yeah, is unbreakable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how can you not love that? That's awesome. Well, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of new stuff in this game for longtime series fans, so can't wait to check it out. Um, moving on to December 17th, we have Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion from Square Enix. Um, Michael, this is an HD remaster of the prequel to Final Fantasy VII, which I think probably a lot of people have heard about Final Fantasy VII, don't you think? Yeah, it seems like a pretty popular game. Uh, I think that guy might be in uh, Smash Brothers uh, Ultimate as well. <laughs> I think so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this one I think is a remake of uh, a game from quite a while back. But um, the main character in it, Zach Fair, he's, um, I think he's really been elevated in the Final Fantasy VII remake that came out recently. They've sort of really bumped up, I think, his presence in that series. I think he was a very popular character for people that played like Crisis Core originally, but... I think it's sort of Square Enix, like, officially kind of, like, upping his profile in the series a bit. So you're almost certain to see a bit more of him in, I guess, the next mainline Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, is it a chapter, episode? I'm not sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this one should be pretty good. I mean, it's this telling the story of, I think, Cloud and Sephiroth and uh, Zack as they kind of go through Shinra's, like, soldier program. So a lot of great backstory for some very iconic characters in this one. Yeah, definitely. And Anthony, I think, uh, from what I understand, the game's going to have remastered HD graphics and some other en enhancements. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, for somebody like me who's not familiar, um, that's great. <laughs> Get to go into it like, you know, a brand new, great experience. So, uh, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I can't say it's a, it's something I'm, a game I'm super familiar with. And the series I'm a little bit familiar with. I've definitely played, you know, uh, quite a few Final Fantasy games. So, um, yeah, no, I'm excited for it. Yeah, and I think even if people, you know, who were very familiar with the original game, like I said, remastered HD graphics, fully voiced dialogue, uh, they improved the battle system, and you've got some new soundtrack arrangements. So it sounds like there's a lot there on Nintendo Switch to bring people back to the game, even if they've experienced it before. All right, so that was our list of 10 games, but um, I also want to cheat a little bit and touch on some <laughs> of the great DLC that's coming uh, during this holiday season. Um, so first off, we have Nintendo Switch Sports Golf, which is free DLC from Nintendo. Um, Anthony, you looking forward to this one? Yes, I am. Um, and I only say it with emphasis because uh, I recently picked up a love for the sport of golf. So um, <laughs> this will be definitely a great chance for me to <laughs> to hopefully prove my uh, prove my skills. But um, yeah, I uh, you know I it has uh, this 
uh, addition to the game has 21 holes from uh, the Wii Sports series. So, you know, all holes and all golf course that you might have seen at some point if you've played any of the Wii Sports series. Um, and yeah, there's going to be um, survival golf, which is uh, a game with eight players. It's kind of controlled chaos. Everybody's golfing at the same time. So, and yeah, I mean, it's going to be great. I mean, it, and the great thing is like this is just in addition to all the all the sports that are already in the game, which are already amazing and fun. So I'm I'm really excited to try that out. Yeah, I still play a lot of um, of bowling, tennis, and um, volleyball, which I really. Volleyball was a little hard for me to get into, but once <laughs> I did, I, that became one of my favorites. So I'm really looking forward to this. I really love in bowling, uh, survival bowling online. And so yeah. when I saw that survival golf was going to be somewhere, I thought, oh, that's perfect. Because I love, um, you know, picking like a random match. And when bowling, survival bowling pops up, I'm like, oh, perfect. Yeah. You didn't <laughs> mention soccer, but I do love, I do love the soccer. Because I just, like half the time I'm running around, like my character is just like stamina is just all the way depleted. And I'm just calling for the ball, like, help, help, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exactly. Well, Michael, are you uh, also uh, getting into uh, becoming a real pro golfer, or are you just sticking to video game golf? I mean, Anthony's been twisting my arm recently, like in yeah. real life. So you know, I might go get a putter. But this seems like a pretty good, uh, you know, more cost-effective way for me to. <laughs> this work is on my definitely swing. an alternative. We'll have to uh, yeah. <laughs> do this instead, maybe. Yeah, I can't wait. I've I've never been much for. Uh, I think I took one golf lesson and hit nothing but dirt. Uh, so <laughs> I'm happy to stick with golf video games, but I love them. Also, uh, a cool piece of DLC coming out this holiday season is Mario, Kate, uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass Wave 3 from Nintendo. Um, Michael, this is something you and I are very familiar with, being big Mario Kart 8 Deluxe fans. Yes. Uh, every time they release a new wave of eight courses, I just gobble them up, and uh, I can't wait to play the new set. Yeah. I mean, right now we've got Merry Mountain and Peach Gardens, I believe, are the ones we've talked about so far. But, uh, yeah, Merry Mountain, obviously, going to be perfect for the holidays. Yeah, so holiday-themed. You can gather everyone around the Yule Log, fire up your Nintendo Switch, and <laughs> have a very seasonal time. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, you've got eight courses. There's, you know, so many more coming out. There's going to be 24 with this one. It's like 48 extra. It's just so many courses. Like, if you like Mario Kart at all, like, this is such a great way to kind of expand that experience. And... It's available on its own, and if you're a Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack member, you get it as well, which is, I think, a pretty good deal. Pretty good. Yeah, awesome. And, and you know, there were already so many courses in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe to begin with because it included courses that had been released from Mario Kart 8 on Wii U system. Uh, it included those extra DLC courses that had been post-release content. Mm -hmm. So it already started out with more courses, I think, than any Mario Kart game it had. And now we're doubling that number up to 48. And like you said, with Wave 3, that's going to put us halfway there at 24. So, yeah. I mean, you're just never going to run out of stuff to do in that game. It's fun seeing the reaction, too, because, like, when the news comes out for these, like, it's always, you know, people see the layout of the courses, and there's people from the Super Nintendo era and then people from the Wii era and people from DS, Mario Kart. So people come to it from all kinds of different, like, timelines and backgrounds, and seeing which ones people are excited about is always funny because it just covers so many generations of players because Mario Kart's, you know, been doing it for so long. <laughs> I know. Like, every Mario Kart was someone's first Mario Kart, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so any track, you know, can be the one that takes them back to that magical time. Yeah, or bring you back into it if you have, you know, for some of these that have, are on other, uh, other Mario Kart games you haven't seen before. Yeah, exactly. Like, I haven't spent nearly as much time uh, on Mario Kart Tour as I have with a lot of the classic Mario Kart games. So whenever those tracks show up, they're basically like brand new courses for me, and I right. really enjoy them. It's kind of fun, too, seeing the courses on some of the competitive play stuff we've been doing recently with this title, just because you can see how fast people can do laps on this and, like, what kind of tactics they're using. So keep an eye out on Nintendo Versus for some of that stuff, because we watched some of the tournament recently, and 
the way they play these courses is super impressive. <laughs> I yeah. know. There's I, a always, whole I always think I'm pretty good at these, and then I see what, what real pros can do, and I'm just blown away. Yeah. Although, I mean, Chris, I'd say you're like, you know, a modest assassin when it comes to, uh, <laughs> to Mario Kart, because we've played before, and... No, questioned my skill in the game. Oh <laughs> uh, well, well, I, I was I, uh, compared to other competitive games. This one I was actually halfway decent at, but that was a few years ago. I'm <laughs> I'm probably pretty rusty by now. <laughs> Got to get sharped up again. Uh, well, last thing I want to talk about as part of this fall game guide is the fact that, as we saw in the recent Nintendo Direct, there are a lot of new Nintendo 64 games coming to Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack. Um, for the rest of this year and also going into next year. I'm just really quickly, for 2022, uh, I think they confirmed Halloween 64, Mario Party, and Mario Party 2. And then going into next year, Mario Party 3, Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Stadium 2, 1080 Snowboarding, and Excite Bike 64, which I remember back when they came out, you know, fans were, were nuts over. So um, some of these are my favorites. Um, do any of these jump out to you guys, you know, especially like favorites of yours? Oh, yeah. Child in me is going crazy right now because all these games are just from my childhood, games that I remember playing. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to see them again. I mean, it's like just the nostalgia factor <laughs> brings me in for sure. Yeah, there's one that, like, really jumped out for me. It's Pilot Wing 64 because it's been so long since I've played that, so I'm very curious to go back and check it out again. All the way back to the, to the start of the Nintendo 64 era. And I can't believe it, but I left one off the list. Uh, GoldenEye uh, 007 oh, on yeah. the way. No release timing on that one yet, so I don't know when it's coming, but uh, obviously that's going to be one I can't wait to play again and to play online with people for the first time. Yeah, nice. yeah, it's it's kind of funny because like when you when you think about just like classic shooters um, just on different platforms throughout the years, it's like you cannot leave out GoldenEye. That's just no. it is one of those staple. milestone moments, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really was, and it's just like yeah, anybody who's who's played Nintendo 64. They know. <laughs> yeah. Slappers only. Yeah. <laughs> they know. You know. Awesome. Well, as I said before, there's a lot more games we could talk about if we had the time, but we'll have to leave it here for now. Uh, but as always, I'd encourage anybody who's interested in any of these games to check out Nintendo.com for more information or even the Nintendo YouTube channel um, for some really cool game trailers. And then depending on the game, you might also be able to pre-order it or download a demo. All right. So next up are the Player's Pulse polls. <laughs> And as always, we asked Nintendo fans on Twitter three questions just for fun. And for the first question, we asked, which store has the freshest gear in Splatoon 3? And the options were Crush Station, Mana Wardrobe, or Not Couture. Um, Michael, what do you think? Where are you going to spend most of your hard-earned currency? See, I kind of metagame this question because it's like I was looking at the stores. I was like, well, which of the vendors do I like the best? And for me, it's got to be Mr. Coco. So... The big kind of crab guy from uh, Crush Station. Nice. That's a Crush Station vote. How about for you, Anthony? Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna throw in a Crush Station plug in there too. Um, one just because the name I feel like the name just rolled off the tongue a little. <laughs> the best. I just. Uh, I, I can't believe it wasn't until you said it just now that I got the pun. That's Crush Station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh man, I'm so behind. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm kind of right in line with it. With All Michael. right. Well, not, not that I knew this before I made my pick, but uh, my pick was uh, the same one that the um, the fans voted for, which was Men of Wardrobe. Oh. Uh, I always like uh, grabbing new shirts to put on, and uh, Men of Wardrobe was a pretty uh, pretty um, pretty far out ahead in the voting, and then uh, Crustacean and Narco Tour uh, were pretty much tied after that for a second. All right, next up, which role do you play most in Xenoblade Chronicles Three? Attacker, defender, or healer? Anthony, you got any guesses to what the fans chose? 
Yeah, I mean, I think just sort of naturally it's like attacker, right? Because you want to you do damage, you want to get in there, you want to do all those cool special moves. Um, backstab as much as you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get all the backstabbing in there. But, um, I mean, you know, yeah, I think, I think that's what people probably chose, the fans probably chose. Personally, I kind of I kind of like it to just do a little bit of everything. Yeah, mix it up. Michael, do you agree with that assessment? I think that that's got to be 100% it. I mean, I played <laughs> yeah. healers in a lot of MMORPGs back in the day, and I know that, that that's what people play. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, uh, the fans did choose attacker at 73% of the vote, so pretty decisive. I'd go attacker as well. To be honest with you, I understand attacker a lot better than the other roles, which is the only reason I end up playing it more than, more than the other one. <laughs> All right, the final poll was, uh, what is your favorite Mario Kart weight class? Obviously, depending on the character you choose, it might not always be obvious, but you're either going to come in at light, medium, or heavy to, uh, weight, which would affect how fast you accelerate, what your top speed can be, and how hard you are to bump around by other racers on the course. Um, so, Anthony, which would you choose personally, light, medium, or heavy? Personally, I, I, th I think I would go with heavy. Um, it's all the characters that I'd love to play with are heavy, mm -hmm. so... Um, More of a pro uh, veteran yeah, you weight know, class. Yeah, you know, I try. Gotta know what you're doing with the heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta know what you're doing. I, there's definitely a meta in there, but um, I feel like maybe that's that's a popular choice, but I don't know. I could be wrong. How about you, for you, Michael? I think that sounds right, yeah. If I'm going meta game it again, like, what's what's the pro gamer choice? And it's... I'm going to say medium. I'll play, I'll hedge my bet and say medium. Uh, well, you know, medium's what, I, I, I'm really boring when it comes to Mario Kart or any Mario sports game. I'm always, I just always choose Mario. You could put 500 characters in there. I just pick <laughs> basic old Mario. Yeah, always uh, works, always works. You know, I just, I get used to him and then it's just what feels right to me. And, and he's a medium character, so that's what I would vote for. And that is also what the fans voted for uh, at 43%. Pretty close though, both light and heavy tied at 29%. So Damn. not too far behind. So thanks, as always, to everyone who uh, participated in those polls. It's always a lot of fun seeing what people have to think. And next, we are going to go into Nintendo Power Game Club. Now, I asked both of you to recommend a game that you've been enjoying and tell us a little bit about it. And the games that we're going to be talking about are Garden Story from Rose City Games, Curse to Golf from Thunderful, and Splatoon 3 from Nintendo. So, Anthony, would you like to start? You can tell me you know, which game you chose, uh, yeah. what it's like, why you like it, and why you'd recommend it. Yeah, no, so I picked Garden Story, um, a game I actually picked up a while ago and have recently sort of gotten back to playing it a little bit. Um, and <laughs> I'll try my best to break down the story, but basically you play as a grape. <laughs> uh, a grape has sort of become like this, uh, This has taken up this guardian role of the town, of the town that you live in. And the whole game is kind of like classic uh, Legend of Zelda RPG style where you're kind of helping out different uh, people in the town and sort of eliminating different uh, enemies and, and rot. Um, and yeah, it's sort of just like making it a happy place to live and being sort of that protector of the people there. And um, yeah, you know, it's got this, this real sort of just lighthearted, uh, really calm, relaxing style and music. And um, it's a fun game to play if you're looking for something that has some progression, has um, you know, some very light, a little bit of light action of some puzzling. Um, but yeah, you can also kind of just, you know, play it lightly, not have to, not have to, you know, stress too much about the task at hand. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just overall cute and it's a fun game. So definitely recommend it. So it sounds like one of those games you can just veg out to a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was like, is that a pun? Um, yeah, no, and, and yeah, again, you play as a grape and like other <laughs> vegetables and fruits are in the game too. So um, yeah, I think it's just a fun sort of cute, lighthearted uh, RPG. And sometimes you need that, you know. Mm -hmm. 
You wouldn't say it was a meaty game. No, <laughs> I would not. I'd say it's quite the opposite. <laughs> Now, Michael, I think you picked Curse to Golf, yes. and um, I, this is one that caught my attention because I was a huge fan of Golf Story when it came out. I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with that game, but are they similar at all? What is what is Curse to Golf all about? So uh, I think they both say golf in the title. I think Golf Story is a bit more of a conventional golf game, if that makes sense. Well, Golf Story is is a golf RPG, right? Kind of top down two D sprite style, kind of like Mario Golf in a way back on the uh, Game Boy Color or something like that. Right, yeah, I think it, that one like adheres to the rules of golf. This like, Curse to Golf is like kind of a golf game and name only, I would say. Like if you're a stickler about golf rules, I don't think this is the game for you, but um, it's kind of a really weird but interesting kind of hybrid of like golf mechanics in a puzzle game with roguelike stuff going on. Like Interesting mix. Yeah, each level, yeah. it's like it's a 2D side-scrolling game, so it's not top-down or anything. And the way it kind of works is that you kind of need to get your ball from point A to point B in a number of strokes that you have, but you have special moves that you can use all the time that like turn your ball into a rocket. You can like blow up TNT. There's like lots of shortcuts and like teleporters and all kinds of things over the courses. So the courses are kind of designed like you know, do you want to take a riskier route that could get you there in fewer strokes, but if you mess up, you're going to, you know, go in the water, you know, get a water hazard or whatever. Um, it's it's kind of, yeah, it's a really weird mix of, like, a lot of different elements that's kind of fun. But the story is cute, too. You play as um, the cursed golfer who, uh, I no spoilers, but you're in a golf tournament and you get hit by lightning at the start of the <laughs> game and you go to golf purgatory. So you have to golf your way out of golf purgatory with the, uh, what is it, the legendary caddy who's like this big Scottish ghost and... Very cute sprite work. It's kind of like reminiscent of Shovel Knight or maybe like, um, what's that other one? Bloodstained? That oh, kinda, the, uh, uh, not, not the, uh, there was two Bloodstained games. One uh, was more of a retro pixely game. The yes, other one wasn't. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the more retro pixely one. But it kind of has that like sort of style to it. But yeah, I mean, I've only, I'm only a couple hours into it, but it's definitely got a lot of really unique mechanics to it and just sort of sussing your way out on how you're going to get through this course using all your kind of supernatural golf abilities and special putters and stuff was pretty fun. So. Well, that sounds cool. It sounds like my kind of wacky, so I'm going to have to check that out. Definitely that. <laughs> and then uh, last is me. I chose Splatoon 3. Specifically, I wanted to talk about the story mode, which is called Return of the Mammalians, because I think everybody knows, you know, the, the Splatoon series is known for being a big multiplayer game, you know, lots of fun to be had playing against people in various modes online, uh, alongside people, you know, on teams of four-on-four against other people. But... Um, but the story mode's great. Like, I just sunk so much time this past week playing just that, like, every night. And um, I feel like I'm, maybe, maybe I'm biased, but as someone who just absolutely loves kind of, like, classic Nintendo-style platforming games, I feel like even if the whole rest of the Splatoon 3 didn't exist and all I had was the story mode, I still would be totally happy to buy that and play it and enjoy it because it is a real full-featured single-player mode, especially... You know, as you go from world to world and, and uh, or area to area, I'm not sure exactly what they call that, the sections, but, and you're going to the the kind of tea kettles, which are how you enter the individual stages of each area. Um, there's a lot of stages, first of all, and then most of the stages um, have a lot of replayability because they challenge you. Um, well, when you start the stage, you have the option of choosing three different weapons. And depending on what the weapon is and what kind of, um, you know, side weapon it's, it's paired with, um, it will make... The, the levels play differently, and sometimes that means that they can play, they can be a lot more challenging or a lot easier. So going through or back through every level and beating it with every weapon and getting those little check marks next to every weapon icon on a stage is something that I really got into, and I, I really liked as I replayed these levels more and more and got better and better at them, that feeling of, of accomplishment, you know. And it really had kind of this side benefit of making me so much better 
at just the mechanics of playing any part of Splatoon 3. So, you know, I'm still not great at the online multiplayer, but when I finished putting all that time into 100%ing the story mode and I came out and went into multiplayer, I was definitely better than before <laughs> when I when I first tried multiplayer uh, before having gone through uh, story mode. So, you know, I can't um, recommend it enough. You know, you get, in addition to kind of going through the levels, which have all these different challenges, you know, and all these different mechanics that really challenge your your traversal, the way you swim through the ink, your platform hopping, um, your combat skills against whether it's uh, enemies like the Octoling that kind of behave more like players might, um, or different types of uh, mammalians uh, who kind of, you know, are more standard enemies and have different ways that you approach them. Um, you know, there's just a lot of variety there of the challenges. And even sometimes you go into a level with special requirements, like it won't let you refill your ink for the entire level. So the ink that you start with is all that you've got to beat it, which, you know, means you have to really think about getting through the level strategically or a level where you can't touch enemies' ink, you know, or you have no ink at all and all you can rely on is, is sub-weapons. So there's a lot there that just keeps it really fresh and interesting um, throughout the whole thing. And I really just wanted to bring that up because um, I don't know if there's some people out there like me who, and I, I really do love playing Splatoon 3 online, but if there's anyone out there who, you know, maybe is more comfortable playing single-player games or, or they don't usually dive into those types of multiplayer games, just wanted to mention this because I hope you don't overlook Splatoon 3 because the single-player content in it, in my opinion, is really, really great. And I think something that a lot of uh, fans of traditional Nintendo platformers would really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, and it, you know, it was kind of that way for me, you know, coming from Splatoon 2 to Splatoon 3, having played the Octo expansion on Splatoon 2, and that was a single-player experience, and that was kind of like the eye-opening moment for me of like, wow, this is really good, it's actually really challenging, and it makes me better at the game overall. Um, and so there's something to be said, Splatoon 3's single-player uh, content is amazing. Um, and, you know, it, it's a, it really does help you improve at the game just in terms of, like, being able to react quicker and um, being able to do certain things. So, um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's an accurate statement, too, that, like, you know, definitely don't overlook it. Try it out. It's just a great experience all within itself. Levels, uh, particularly, like, um, we have the Zipcaster. You have the specials basically active for, like, the whole level. Like, I really like those because, you know, when you're in the heat of battle, you've only got, like, a few seconds to use a special move in a whole round, you know. So it's, it can be hard to kind of figure out how it works, but you have these levels where you're in like the crab tank, you're using the Zipcaster, and you get to just play around with the mechanics and feel how it works and see how it shoots and how best to use it, and that's so helpful. I know. really enjoyed it. It's great, like you said, because you, there's no time limit in, in some of those, and you get to really enjoy them for a lot longer. But then uh, because the story mode exposes you to basically every weapon and sub-weapon in the game, um, by the time you encounter those, in uh, in the multiplayer game, you know what you're dealing with and you right. already kind of know how to use them. Um, another thing I want to mention is just the story is kind of fun and funny too. And you get Callie and Marie coming back from you know, the, Squid, the Squid Sisters from the previous two games and you get them kind of in your ear just running a lot of funny dialogue constantly as they're trying to help you get through these levels. Yeah. So that's great too. Um, before we end this part of the show, I also want to um, talk about how we went online and asked fans to recommend a favorite game this month. And they had a lot of great responses, and I have three of them to share here. I'm starting with Wick, who said, I absolutely adored Live Alive. It's easily my new favorite game of all time, and I'm so happy it came to the West because it absolutely deserves the amazing remake it got. It's a game I can easily recommend to anyone and an absolute must-play for any RPG enjoyer. And then Next Drift said, I recently got Cotton Fantasy, and it's one of the best shoot-em-ups I've played in years. I can't recommend it enough for fans of the genre. 
Nintendo Switch is secretly one of the best shmup consoles of all time. Shoot them <laughs> up, I think, is what that means. <laughs> Joshua said, my daughter and I have been loving Kirby's Dream Buffet. Um, she has wanted to play every day with me, and I'm definitely not complaining. It's just a really good and non-stressful time together, especially since I can sometimes be overly competitive online. So some great recommendations there, and thanks to everyone who chimed in on that thread. Next, we have the Warp Zone quiz. And as usual, I'll give you clues to help you identify three games that came out 10, 20, and 30 years ago, all during the months of September and October. So you guys all ready? Right. And also, it's a team sport, so work together <laughs> yeah, if you need to. Wait, we'll try. <laughs> So the first game is 10 years ago. This was in October of 2012, and the clues are Nintendo published a pair of RPGs for Nintendo DS that were sequels to another pair of Nintendo DS games. The sequels took place two years after the originals and pit the player against Neo Team Plasma in an adventure across the Unova region to uncover the mystery of Black Kyrum or White Kyrum. Any guesses? Black and Pokemon, Black and Pokemon White? That's right. Hey. Yeah. Pokemon Black version, actually, Pokemon Black version 2 oh, and Pokemon White version uh, 2. That's right. Uh, wrong. <laughs> you get half a point. And, yeah, half a point. <laughs> they were the sequels. I think you guys knew that. It said in the first bullet point they were sequels. All right, next up, 20 years ago, this is September of 2002. The clues are this game came from, uh, this game from Nintendo introduced a cute, colorful world that kept time with an internal clock and was filled with friendly faces. The game was originally conceived for the short-lived 64DD add-on and for Nintendo 64 in Japan, but ended up on a Nintendo 64 cartridge for its initial release there before finally reaching America 20 years ago on a Nintendo GameCube disc. And uh, I'm looking at Michael. He's giving me the thumbs oh, yeah. up. Sounds like you know what this one is. Is it Animal, Animal Crossing? Crossing? It yeah. is. Yes. Can you believe the very first Animal Crossing is now 20 years old? I know. That I know. When right. you were talking about it, I was like, 20 years. That didn't seem right. Well, I guess, yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> crazy. All right, uh, final uh, game here. 30 years ago, September of 1992, the clues are Nintendo kicked off a new kind of racing game on Super NES that combined cute characters and colorful courses with cutting-edge 3D Mode 7 graphics and intense races and head-to-head -head battles. Any guesses on this one? Could it possibly? Yeah. Is it, uh, <laughs> is, is it a game that we talked about earlier in the segment in the most recent iteration, having Booster Course Pass uh, expansion? <laughs> yeah. Might be, might be. <laughs> I think it's a fairly popular game called Mario Kart. <laughs> Wrong, it's F-Zero. No, you're right. It's Super Mario Kart. <laughs> F-Zero characters definitely known for being very cute, like Samurai Gormora. Is that the guy's name? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah Samurai Gormora. Yeah, yeah. We did talk about uh, the last episode, which came out right at the beginning of September. Um, we talked quite a bit about how this is the 30th anniversary of um, Super Mario Kart and by default the Mario Kart series, but had to mention it again here now that we're talking about uh, you know decades old games here in the in the yes, Warp yes. Zone quiz. All right, so finally here we have the bonus question. So I'm going to play a sound. I'm actually going to play it twice. So please hold your answer if you know what it is, and then afterward we can see if you guys can guess what it is and uh, what game it's from. All right, here we go. All right, here it is a second time. All right, any guesses as to what that sound is? It's the signature sound of a splat bomb. Yeah, no, I feel like I hear that all too often, <laughs> yeah. so I'm just like, I know what that is. When I hear that, I instinctively <laughs> hold back, like, away, yeah. move away. Absolutely. It is a splat bomb being thrown in Splatoon 3, which I've been hearing a lot lately myself. <laughs> all right, moving on to the game forecast. 
Let's take a quick look at some of the Nintendo Switch games that recently released or are coming soon. Now, we touched on some of these in our fall games discussion earlier, but there's a lot of other titles coming very soon that I want to make sure people are aware of. And we're going to start on September 23rd. Again, that's when Shovel Knight Dig came out from Yacht Club Games. On September 27th, as mentioned before, we've got Tunic from Finji. On September 30th, EA Sports FIFA 23 Nintendo Switch Legacy Edition from Electronic Arts. On October 4th, Overwatch 2 from Blizzard Entertainment. And October 6th, Nier Automata, the end of Yorick edition, I think it's called, on, uh, from Square Enix. Then October 7th, No Man's Sky from Hello Games. And on October 13th, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Expansion Pass DLC Volume 2 from Nintendo. On October 14th, we've got a couple of games here. Dragon Ball The Breakers uh, from Bandai Namco and Nickelodeon Kart Racers 3 Slime Speedway from Game Mill Entertainment. On October 18th, Them's Fightin' Herds from Main 6 and Modus. On October 20th, Mario Plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope from Ubisoft. On October 21st, Persona 5 Royal from Atlas and Sega. On October 28th, that's a busy day, we've got Bayonetta 3 from Nintendo and Platinum Games, Factorio from Woob Software, and Resident Evil Village Cloud from Capcom. And of course, those are just a small sample of the games that are gonna be coming out during that period, um, some of which um, are, uh, are available for pre-order. So, um, Anthony and Michael, is there anything here that you're especially looking forward to? Any of these games really jump out to you? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of gameplay <laughs> in those <laughs> games. Um, I mean, I know we talked about Bayonetta a little bit already, but um, I, you know, I had recently, semi-recently, ran through Bayonetta 1, Bayonetta 2, and the action in those games is just so good. And, and again, we talked about this, but I'm just really looking forward to like kind of playing that again, but also getting some of the new stuff. Like um, we we're talking about the, uh, I think I think it's called like the, the Demon Masquerade uh, mm -hmm. mode, where you know you can you can play as uh, just like kind of giant demon. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that one uh, a lot. And I know it's toward the end of the month there, but. Um, and then also uh, you mentioned uh, Nier Automata, which is one that just like all my friends are raving about, um, mm -hmm. you know, on other platforms. And I, I've heard such good things. And so I'm, I'm pretty happy it's coming to uh, Nintendo Switch. I'm going to try it out there. Definitely. Michael, what about you? Well, I already beat it uh, when it came out originally, but Persona 5 Royal, I'm almost oh, convinced I might need to do it again, yeah. which I think it took me 120 hours to beat it originally, and now I'm like, man, this is going to be even longer. But uh, I love the world so much, and the music's so great, and there's so many fun characters that might be worth revisiting. And I'll probably check out um, Them's Fighting Herds, too. I haven't played that yet, and I am kind of curious about that because that game looks like it's pretty fun to play. Awesome. Well, no surprise for me, you know, we talked about Shovel Knight Dig earlier, but being a massive Shovel Knight fan this is one i've been looking forward to for i think literally years now i remember i <laughs> can't remember when it was first announced but uh can't wait to see uh, how they kind of mix up the digging with the kind of classic shovel knight style um so uh hopefully by the time this podcast actually airs i will have already been uh, digging into it <laughs> pun, <laughs> pun intended this time <laughs> All right, well, that's it for our usual run of show. But um, like I said at the top, before we go, um, we have an update on the Super Smash Brothers Panda Cup Tournament circuit with some very special guests. So we'll say goodbye to Anthony and Michael for now. Um, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Fun as always. I'm now joined by Dr. Alan Benet, the CEO of Panda Global. Hi, Dr. Alan. Hey, Chris. And Bill Trennan from Nintendo Treehouse. Hi, Bill. Hey, Chris. How you doing? Great. And thank you both for joining me today to share some updates on the Panda Cup circuit uh, featuring Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and Super Smash Brothers Melee. 
Uh, Dr. Allen, I'll start with you. Um, first, can you describe what the Panda Cup is for anyone who may not already be following along? Absolutely, yeah. So I guess I should start first with what Panda is. So uh, Panda is a competitive gaming organization uh, that started really in the Super Smash Bros. and fighting game communities. Uh, we were founded in 2015, and we really have been dedicating ourselves to serving uh, you know, those communities and the Super Smash Bros. players and, and uh, you know those grassroots scenes for years now. It actually really started uh, about 16 years ago. Uh, we found, my best friend and I, we founded this, uh, David and I, we actually met uh, in college, uh, University of Michigan, uh, in the dorm rooms when he walked into my room to play a game of Super Smash Bros. Melee. And uh, he still, 16 years later, will not let me forget that he beat me in that first game with his Mewtwo <laughs> against my Ganondorf. Uh, but that's really the origin story of, of Panda. Uh, you know, it really started from the very, very beginning with Super Smash Bros. So, uh, you know, last year in November, uh, Panda and Ten of America announced a partnership. And this year, uh, we're able to launch the Panda Cup. So the Panda Cup is the first ever officially licensed Super Smash Bros. championship circuit in North America. And we're featuring both Super Smash Bros. Ultimate for the Nintendo Switch and Super Smash Bros. Melee for the Nintendo GameCube. So we are incredibly excited because we're working with the grassroots community that, you know, we've been part of for so long to highlight the amazing things that they have been able to accomplish as a community. You know, the, the players, the, the, the live streams, the events, they're, they're truly incredible what they've been able to do. Uh, so we kicked off the circuit in late June and we're, we'll be concluding this December uh, with the Panda Cup finale. Uh, and we'll be awarding a $100,000 prize pool uh, for that championship. Now, most of our online qualifying rounds have already passed, but we still have plenty of offline qualifying rounds too. So there's a lot of events to check out. Everyone, everywhere from uh, Miami to California, uh, October, November, December is absolutely packed. Now, if you are interested in attending or even just watching, uh, I would highly encourage people to go to pandacup.com and uh, really just uh, look there and see what you want to watch and, and what you would like to and how you'd like to experience it. Uh, and even if you don't want to attend, honestly, just tune in to the live streams, the online finals in October, as well as the finale in December. And you will, I guarantee, see some of the best Super Smash Bros. action that you can ever imagine. Uh, you know, the finale, of course, will be streamed live online for free. Uh, and, you know, the big thing is that we also made it completely free to attend. It's in downtown Los Angeles, uh, December 15th to 18th. Uh, and we're really doing everything we can to make it super easy for people to just experience what it is like to go to a Super Smash Bros. event. Uh, you know, I've been going to events for uh, for many years, and let me tell you, there is nothing in the world that has, like, the energy and the excitement of an arena full of people watching an intense game of Super Smash Bros., you know, just hearing people cheer on their favorite players, their favorite characters, or hearing the crowd just gasp or cry out when, you know, someone gets a hit and almost gets that KO, but they survive just barely. It's it's honestly an experience you will carry with you for the rest of your life. Uh, so I highly encourage, if people are able to make it, please come out to the finale, check it out, experience it, what it's like in real life, uh, you know, and I guarantee you'll have a great time. And if you can't, Watch it online. We're really trying to bring that magic and that experience that that we get offline to that online stage too. That you can you can see in the live streams that energy that uh, that you know we get in the arena and bring it to you at home as well. So uh, if you can make it, I highly recommend you check it out. Absolutely, that sounds awesome. 
Um, now, Bill, this is the first time Nintendo has officially licensed a championship circuit in North America for either Super Smash Bros. Ultimate or Super Smash Bros. Melee. What made Nintendo decide to take this step now, and what made Panda the right partner? Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. We've actually been looking for a way to get a bit more involved in the Smash community for quite a while now. Um, we've we've been involved in various ways. Obviously, we've had some of our own tournaments that we've operated, um, dating back to 2014 Super Smash Brothers tournament at E3. Uh, we've partnered with individual tournaments from time to time. Um, but we really wanted to look for a way to find an officially licensed partner, um, somebody who understands the community and somebody who's committed to bringing um, stability, support, um, and hopefully growth to the community. And partly that's why we we really look to Pandas, their involvement in the community over the years, their understanding of the community, and really their commitment to ensuring that this is an initiative that is going to be working um, together in, in support of the players, the TOs, and the community as a whole. Um, and that, to me, was was really important. Um, and I think it's, it's also, you know, going to hopefully lead to some really, really good things for the community in the months to come. Personally, I'm, I am really excited to see the, uh, these final months of the Panda Cup. Um, in fact, we just had a, a tournament at PAX West as a part of Panda Cup, the Almost Pro Open, which I think is a little bit of a testament of the ways that Panda is doing things a little bit differently, finding ways to bring um, in a larger group of players and, and finding ways to give people venues through which they can get into Panda Cup, where it might be a little bit more challenging for them to do so um, historically within the Smash community. There was a, just a, a great moment when we saw the winner of that tournament on stage um, just uh, so, so overwhelmed at the fact that he was going to be competing in the Panda Cup finals. And and I thought that was a little bit of, of the magic, you know. Panda has also been doing just a phenomenal job in terms of the production of the tournaments. And you see what they're doing um, on the live stream and and things that um, I think are really going to help with um, watchability and, and just bringing, bringing the fun of Super Smash Brothers to um, a very large, large audience. So uh, really looking forward to what we're going to see in the coming months. Absolutely. And, and Dr. Allen, Bill mentioned a couple of great moments there so far, but how has the Panda Cup been going um, so far for you? Is it meeting your expectations? And you know, what kind of reaction have you seen um, from the Super Smash Brothers competitive community? Absolutely. First off, I should say thank you, Bill, for the kind words. Uh, you know, we are we are really trying, and uh, and that's that's kind of the thing. Uh, it's actually exceeding my expectations in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, a lot of what I think uh, you know both Panda and Nintendo uh, really look towards doing is supporting from behind the scenes. There's a lot of stuff that we want to do to help enhance them, uh, help platform these these uh, community events and and elevate them. Uh, so I didn't really think that people would see. Uh, a lot of the effort that we're putting in behind the scenes for a little while. And I've been really uh, honestly touched to see that they, people have noticed that they are seeing a lot of that effort that we're doing already and we're just getting started. Uh, and and honestly, you know, I, we wouldn't have been able to get here if we didn't have, uh, you know, Nintendo as a partner. And and having this partnership is truly uh, incredible. You know, it was, uh, it was a long road to get here, but absolutely has been worth it. You know, honestly, the competitive gaming community, and I think especially the Super Smash Bros. community, has really high standards of excellence, of professionalism, but so does Nintendo. You know, that that alignment in, in what I think the community wants and what Nintendo and Panda want as well are, are completely, you know, uh, down the same path. 
Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, I've honestly had a, a vision for many, many years now of where this community could go, how Super Smash Bros could be uh, you know, elevated and, and how Panda could help and support them. But uh, none of this would be possible without Nintendo. We, we need Nintendo support to get there. And, and finally getting that support uh, and, and sort of helping us get on our feet as community together uh, I think is is truly incredible. And, um, you know, again, this is just a slow roll. We're getting started. We're building these bricks. And the community is seeing a lot of that effort. They're, they're, they're saying that we see what you're doing. And that's, I never expect that, honestly. Uh, you know, unfortunately, though, uh, COVID really hit the scene pretty hard. Uh, you know, it, it, it put the competitive gaming world in general uh, and into a standstill. And I think the Super Smash Bros. community, which has this beautiful and vibrant offline scene, was hit particularly hard, uh, you know, by COVID. Um, but now that things are sort of getting back on their feet, the, the scene is is really running as opposed to walking back into things. And, um, you know, it's it's really cool that we're able to see that the community is, is, is getting back to what it used to do uh, and uh, even better than before because now we have Nintendo as a partner, you know, um, and, and for the first time, we're really seeing what it's like working together. And, um, you know, the thing is, we're just getting started. Like I said, th th we're just building right now. This is the tip of the iceberg. The community uh, and the players haven't really seen the full vision of, of what we're trying to accomplish as an organization yet. Uh, I hope that when the finale happens, people will, will have a better understanding. But, you know, the experiences, the memories, the magic that, you know, I think the Super Smash Bros. community can bring to people, that's what we're trying to bring to the greater scene. We're really trying to make it super accessible for anyone to be able to, to be touched by this competition, by, you know, the, the, the you know, amount of effort and time and passion that these people put into their title. So uh, honestly, the future's looking bright if this is where we're starting from. And, you know, we're, we are incredibly excited about what's to come. Definitely. It's been great to see the scene kind of come back in a big way, like you said. And, and Bill, it's also been great to see Nintendo getting more involved with the competitive community, which is, you know, something that many players have been asking for. Is Nintendo considering any other ways to support the community even more? You know, what are, I guess, Nintendo's goals in this area? Yeah, I think, you know, number one, the Super Smash Brothers community is unique within gaming. Um, it is grassroots. It is built by fan passion and player passion and the, the passion of um, TOs and, and things of that nature. And so for us, the most important thing is that through this um, officially licensed um, Panda Cup, um, our goal is that we'll start to see more of the independent tournaments um, after this first year of Panda Cup, realize the opportunity that's there, realize the benefits of, of being under one umbrella and start to, to line up and, and kind of look at the opportunity and, and think, you know, maybe I do want to have my tournament be a part of Panda Cup and, and look at what that can mean for growth for them for the future. So partly it's a little bit of um, growth for the community. It's a little bit of stability for the community um, and ways that we can help that, you know, as, as we've been doing with Panda, we've been supporting from logistics perspective, supporting uh, from a production perspective, um, but also by having an official licensed partner, it means that we can work with potential 
sponsors and say, you know, this is um, the officially licensed Super Smash Brothers circuit. This is where, um, you know, we can bring potential partners that might reach out to us who would be interested in in sponsoring um, Smash Brothers and, and point them towards Panda Cup. But it's also where, you know, others who are thinking of getting into the competitive Smash Brothers scene through sponsorship opportunities can certainly look to Panda and say, this is the place where, um, you know, it's officially licensed and sanctioned, and this is where we can go um, to both, um, you know, support Panda Cup, but also support the community and, and be a part of the community in a way that's going to help ensure that it grows. Um, you know, we're certainly... One of the things that I think we're we're really eager for is working with someone like Panda who understands both the uniqueness of the community and also some of the uniquenesses of, of Super Smash Brothers. Um, somebody who's, you know, working towards ensuring we've got a really positive in-person uh, competitive environment um, with events that are, are fun for everyone, adhering to kind of health and safety guidelines and things of that nature and and respecting kind of the brand IP guidelines that, that come with a brand that's as complex as, as Super Smash Brothers is. And so those are some of the areas that are important to us. But at the same time, um, the main thing for us is we want to make sure that what's true and unique about the Super Smash Brothers community um, remains at its core. And by partnering with someone like Panda who understands that community, we can continue to find ways to help support and stabilize and, and grow that community in, in ways that are true and unique to it. Great. Well, Dr. Allen, what's coming up next for the Panda Cup? Um, how can people participate? And I believe earlier you said people can go to the website for more information. Um, what else should people know? Yeah, so, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, there's a mix of uh, offline and online events, uh, but unfortunately, the online uh, open qualifiers have, uh, are pretty much almost over now. Uh, but you can actually watch the live streams for the online finals happening in October. There'll be plenty of action with that to come. Uh, and then also, there's tons of big offline competition that is still left in October and November from coast to coast in North America. Um, and, you know, the, of course, the big Panda Cup finale taking place in downtown LA in December. The information for all those events can be found on pandacup.com. We're trying to make it easy for people to, to know if there's something near them they can go to. And, you know, all the events that, that are on pandacup.com are really what we feel are uh, some of the best the community has to offer. They're, you know, safe uh, and welcoming events that uh, anyone can go to and have a good time because they've really proven themselves uh, historically over the years as as really established, uh, you know, uh, pillars of the community. Um, and so I would really encourage people to check it out and you know, even if they're a little bit interested uh, and see what they have to offer. But of course, watching them online is, is certainly the first way you can get involved uh, and the first way you can even support uh, the community itself. We're also making a lot of uh, content we're trying to make some long-form content and storytelling content to, to help people uh, sort of have entry points, right? If you don't know anyone in the community, it's hard for you to really understand how cool these matches are or how, how like, long and storied history between two players about to, to, to face off might be. And we're trying to, to make it easy for people to understand and know what these things entail and to be able to insert themselves into this story that is being told uh, you know, throughout the history of the Super Smash Bros. titles. Um, so, you know, we really want players of all skill levels, no matter how, uh, you know, intense you may have played Super Smash Bros. in the past or not intense, uh, to be able to watch, join, and enjoy. 
so pandacup.com is a pretty great resource for anyone interested in competitive Super Smash Bros. Uh, and we're going to continue to improve it over time. We're listening to feedback, and we want to really get to that spot where, uh, you know, we're, we're supporting both the Super Smash Bros. veterans uh, and those Super Smash Bros. newcomers alike. That's great. And Bill, um, one last question for you. You know, one of the big Nintendo Switch games at the moment, of course, is Splatoon 3, which is an important competitive game for Nintendo. Is there a plan to feature it in an official tournament as well? Or um, I guess, can you talk about any plans for any other games? Hey, Chris, that is a great question. Um, And of course, I myself have been playing a ton of Splatoon 3 over the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm not going to tip my hand just yet, but I can say that we actually already held our first Splatoon 3 in-person tournament. Um, We did that at PAX West. You can catch the video online at Nintendo's YouTube account. Um, But that brought together the winners of our summer Splatoon 2 uh, tournament, online tournament winners to PAX West to compete in Splatoon 3 for the very first time. There was lots of great action. They were in front of a packed house at PAX West. Um, And we even had a a Mario Kart 8 Deluxe tournament there as well that also brought together some winners from our summer online tournaments for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So between the Panda Cup Almost Pro Open, uh, Splatoon 3, and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, we had a packed weekend at PAX West uh, that was a, a lot of fun and, and just great to see people back together in person and enjoying enjoying competitive play again. Um, as far as other plans for Splatoon 3, you know, we did have a regular cadence of tournaments for Splatoon 2, so while I don't have anything to announce just yet, um, we do have some thoughts around some uh, potential ideas for Splatoon 3 tournaments as well, but in the short term, we're really just looking at encouraging people to play online, get familiar with all of the the new things that you find in Splatoon 3, the new weapons, the new stages, things like the squid roll and whatnot, um, and kind of get familiar with that and build up your skills and and also to participate in some of the online events like Splatfests and eventually big runs as well. So, um, you know, in the meantime, uh, get uh, get your skills up and then uh, stay tuned for more information on what we might have from uh, a Splatoon 3 tournament perspective. That's great. Man, lots of exciting stuff going on. Well, we're out of time now, but Dr. Allen and Bill, thanks so much for joining me today and sharing uh, all those updates. I'm definitely going to be looking forward to the lead up to the Panda Cup finale. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Dr. Allen. It was great talking to you all. Great. See you next time. That's it for this episode of Nintendo Power Podcast. If you have any comments or questions you'd like us to consider answering on the show, you can email us at nintendopowerpodcast at noa.nintendo.com. Also, we always appreciate it if you can leave us a review. And be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they're ready. Thanks for listening and keep playing with power.